If this is your first time listening to Symposium, wow, welcome. And if it's not, I am so, so sorry that we've been gone for so long. We had some issues over the summer and obviously fell incredibly behind schedule as a result, so thank you so much for your patience. I don't want to test it any more than I already have, so I'll stop talking. Here's our second to last episode of Symposium. This is Symposium. After I finished the book, I wanted to know exactly what the truth behind that was. Krishna opens his mouth and she looks in his mouth and she sees the whole universe. If you go back and watch Friends, they never talk about politics. And it's not a big surprise, but it's kind of like, really? Like, it never came up? He had to reevaluate his whole student senate and he straight up told him we need to reevaluate ourselves and check ourselves. Which is fascinating and wonderful in so many different ways. That's actually what I was struggling with when I was writing this paper. I was trying to decide what would be the main thing to focus on. But as I read different articles and different research papers of other people, I realized that it is really just a culmination of everything. You can't talk about living in a low-income neighborhood without talking about socioeconomic status. You can't talk about those factors without talking about the stress that people endure from living in those different situations. That was McNair Scholar and EMU Senior Jada Childs explaining how socioeconomic, environmental, and physical and mental wellness are inextricably linked. She sat down with reporter Justice Maddox to discuss her research on the effects of stress on the health of African-American women and low-income neighborhoods. She also offers a way that she hopes to address the unique challenges that African-American women face, a solution that, as far as her research reveals, our country has yet to see. I grew up in a house with women. It's just my mom and my grandmother. And I, you could label our neighborhood as low, a low-income neighborhood. And I know um, seeing my family, it always be strange to me that um, so many of the women in my family had a lot of health issues. And I always wondered, what is it about African-American women? Like, why do we have all these health issues and health problems going on? And once I got to high school, I discovered that there was like a real stigma against mental health. And so I started getting interested in psychology and things like that. So once I got to college, I was like, maybe the psychological aspects and the somatic aspects work in tandem to create a perfect storm for African-American women. And a lot of things I found um, supported that idea. So what was your research process like? So for me, it was mostly just um, going through and looking at different journals of people who have done similar projects. I didn't want to just do a project and say, here are the problems. I wanted to figure out what the solutions could be. So some solutions that I, was, that I found were getting to the bottom of the problems that are caused in African-American women. So the stressors that they experience is not the same as European-Americans, if that makes sense. So you have to target them a little bit differently. And you can't just target the psychological issues without thinking about the issues within neighborhood violence and partner violence and racial discrimination. So, for example, one thing that I found that was um, really interesting to me was the superwoman complex. And so this is something that a lot of African-American women say that they experience. And it's defined by an obligation to demonstrate strength. It's also the suppression of emotions, the resistance to being vulnerable, independent, and having a determination to succeed. Um, And while this, they have really good, like, 
there are really good things that come from that drive and come from being autonomous and being independent. It also can create a, a lot of stress and health issues. So for example, um, as you probably already know, there is a huge um, disproportion in the rates of health issues such as cardiovascular disease and diabetes, uh, kidney failure, almost anything you can think of in African-American women as opposed to European-American women. The mortality rate of hypertension in African-Americans is about 15 deaths for every 100,000 white men and women and 40 for every 100,000 black women alone just by themselves. So it's just little things like that that really is like, I can't believe no one is talking about this more. And I feel like any, every African-American person probably knows an African-American woman who has high blood pressure or has diabetes or has some kind of health risk factor. So what do you feel is the biggest um, effect on stress in African-American women, the socioeconomical or just the environment or healthcare, or is just a combination of equally all of them? That's actually what I was struggling with when I was writing this paper. I was trying to decide what would be the main thing to focus on. But as I read different articles and different research papers of other people, I realized that there, it is really just a culmination of everything. You can't talk about one thing without talking about the other. You can't talk about um, living in a low-income neighborhood without talking about socioeconomic status. You can't talk about those factors without talking about the stress that people endure from living in those different situations. And you can't talk about the stress without talking about the health factors that come along with living in those different situations. So it was really a perfect storm. So eventually I want to be able to open up my own practice and create a holistic practice um, targeted at African-American women. And I hope to provide clinical services for them, but also things like financial services and things like daycare, because a lot of women can't, af can't afford to go to a, psychology, a psychologist and leave their kids at home unattended because a lot of African-American women are in a single parent household, which I also touched on in the paper. So it's like a lot of things that cause African-Americans not to be able to get the help that they need. It's not just the fact that there is a stigma against mental health in the African-American community. You were talking about how you weren't, you weren't just looking for problems or you just want, didn't want to just say the problems. What were some solutions that you found or just ways that um, Black women can try to minimize their stress without, because obviously you can't take it all away, but some ways that they can minimize it? So just like the things I was talking about with the wellness center that I wanted to create. Um, so a lot of the problems that I found that I touched on in the paper, some of them were due to um, black women having obesity issues because of stress eating and things like that, not getting adequate health care and different things of that nature. And also black women not being able to feel safe enough to exercise or go for morning jogs or walk their dogs around the neighborhood. Like, um, some European women or some people in suburban areas would do. So just things like establishing a wellness center where there could be um, physical activity as well as psychological services, as well as financial services, because we are hit in all these different areas. And so I want to build, like, I don't know if you've heard of lifetime fitness, like a lifetime fitness, but for psychological help as well. Because all too often people focus on one aspect 
of it. People either focus on the health aspect or the psychological aspect or the fitness aspect, and they don't understand that all these things work work together in tandem. So while doing your research, I know that you want to do a clinic, but have you found anything like that that's already happening that African-American women could go to or just anything similar to that to where they can, that can help them with like fitness or just mental health and things like that? There are different, um, there are several different places that I found. I haven't found one that encompasses all of them like I want to do in the future, hopefully, but I have found some things like soul yoga um, and um, these different holistic practices. And it's basically just tailored to what you want as an African-American woman and what you believe in. But there are some things like, and I don't think it was in Detroit. I'm pretty sure it was someplace else. But there was a place where you can go in and listen to different Afrocentric music and um, healing drums and healing bowls and things like that. And I thought those were really cool and I would love to incorporate that in the future. But as far as clinical practices, there is a practice um, who a staff member, her name is Joy Rencher. She's in the social work program. She has uh, a practice working with all African-American um, professionals and dealing with, um, she deals with mostly young adult African-American teenagers, but their whole practice is filled with African-Americans. So I know some people are afraid to go and seek help from things like CAPS or or places that predominantly have um, European-Americans because they feel like they won't understand them or they won't uh, really care about them. But there are places like that that have completely, they're completely owned owned and completely run by African-American women. Joy Rencher, she actually used to put on something at Eastern that I loved. Um, we had to cancel it because she got so busy, but I hope they can bring it back to Eastern. It was called Soul, Soul Speak, and we met every week, and it was just a group of African-American women. You can bring in men, too, but it was mostly African-American women that just talked about the challenges of being at a PWI, um, being a Black woman at a PWI, being a Black woman in America, things that we dealt with at home, problems we were having with at school. And she would just help us and point us in the right direction if we needed help with aid or if we needed help with um, finding a teacher to help us with any kind of subject, things like that. It was really great. While conducting her research, Jada says she ironically found herself wrestling with the very same mental health struggle she was studying, that superwoman complex. I guess the biggest hardship would be not falling privy to the things that I was talking about in the paper, <laughs> uh, the stress and the time consumption with it, with this being my junior year, your junior year is usually one of your hardest years. So I was doing this paper and reading a lot of the things. It just, it kind of got to me a little bit. And then working with different people, um, having to fight for why this is important and why we want to hear another paper about African-Americans. And, you know, it's just a stigma sometimes because people feel like that's the only thing we want to talk about. But it's something that needs to be talked about. And I feel like it should be talked about until changes start to occur. So until then, I'm going to keep talking about it. What would you want um, African-American women to take away from your project? And then what would you want everyone else to take away from your project? Um, For African-American women, I would definitely want them to take away 
the fact that sometimes you do need to ask for help. We tend to take on the role of the superwoman complex, like I said, and that can be really damaging to our health. And I know it's hard because a lot of times we feel like we can't, we don't want to burden other people with our problems. And um, we feel like other people won't understand or won't care, but you, everyone needs help. And it's okay to need help. That doesn't make you weak. And I feel like that's a big thing that goes um, into the African-American community, not just with African-American women, but with toxic masculinity with African-American men as well. The admission that you need help is seen as a weakness, when in reality, that's basically the strongest thing you can do is to tell someone that you need help and admit that there's an issue. For everyone else, um, I would say that just basically the same thing that I was talking about earlier with um, getting tired of hearing about the African-American experience. And um, I, I guess it can be when you're not, when you haven't experienced it, it can be a little of like, it can kind of make you feel, I don't know, exhausted hearing it. But if you listen to understand and not just listen and diminish it, then maybe you can help someone as well. So I know for me, um, I actually went to a psychologist before when I was in high school and it was a European psychologist. And a lot of the things I told her, she couldn't really understand or couldn't really resonate with me and um, understand where I was coming from because her background wasn't the same as mine. And I don't feel like you have to be from the same background to be able to understand and be able to empathize with someone else, but you do have to know other people's stories. So even me, even though I'm targeting African-American women and African-Americans in general in the future, I hope to be able to resonate with other cultures too as well and be able to help them as well. Thank you again to Jada Childs for sharing her work with us. To read her abstract or learn more about the Undergraduate Symposium, visit emish.edu symposium. You can find more stories like this at easternecho.com, and you can reach our podcast section via email at podcast at easternecho.com. This episode of Symposium was produced by myself, Ronia Kabansug, and reported by Justice Maddox. Special thanks to Amy Berenger for all her help with this series. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week with the final episode of Symposium.